Eric Clapton and his fellow music gods, at least those who are surviving today, like Carlos Santana, Bob Dylan, or Rolling Stones, are living affirmation of the life-giving properties of music. These enduring treasures survived excesses of monumental proportions, with luck, talent, and above all, a rare and mysterious survival intelligence. Their continued presence on planet Earth can be attributed to divine talent and divine grace in equal measures. There was no reason why they should not have gone the ways of three J's, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin. Those Bruvera sparks of raw talent, which burnt widely, only to be extinguished before their 28th birthday in all three cases. Nostalgia and dark iconography apart, my predominant thought on this is, what a waste. The sense of loss is more acute when we see the new frontiers explored by their contemporaries like Clapton, Santana, or Bob Dylan. They all benefited with new mediums like MTV, streaming, or YouTube. Imagine what Jimi Hendrix would have given us in almost 50 years since, since he has gone. Eric Clapton too appeared to be a perfect case for an early end. Considered to be a god when he was hardly 20 years of age, Clapton partook with the total abandon, all the excesses that his rock god status and his intoxicating times threw at him. He did knock at heaven's door quite a few times, with health scares abound. Divine grace came to him in form of survival epiphany. In the throes of psychedelic delirium and alcoholic haze, he was given what he termed grace of despair. He clearly recognized that he has an addictive, obsessive and restless personality. For him, the best party in town was always down the road. He wrote in his autobiography about an obsessive enthusiasm that tended to fade as soon as his desired object was in his possession. He simply couldn't settle, both from the point of view of substance use or musical personality. There was no attainment of cruising altitude of identity. Not with the Yardbirds, who practically sagged him, or with John Miles' Blues Breakers, nor with Cream or Blind Fate. Ever restless, he seems a peevish character, always in pursuit of the next letdown. Great thing was that he was aware of this defect and had enough wherewithal and timber in his soul to tackle that to his advantage. And when the time arrived, he did so. This clarity saved him. His music or his life or his general outlook were formed by dealing with the dynamics of his this lacuna and clear realization of its mortal implications. 
His handling of obsession and restlessness is the guiding feature of his musical journey also. This passionate acceptance has become his default stance, measured and unruffled, much like his playing. His ability to stay with an obsession just up to the edge of precipice kept him in the dark zone long enough to reap the benefits of corrosive depth of psychedelic chasm of the addiction or the intricacies of music that appear in the heightened throes of chemically induced chaos. At the same time, his ability to retract in time and realize the virtue of sobriety was a sign of absence of arrogance and acceptance of his vulnerability. This mellowed, somewhat diffident self-regard, so unlike rock gods of his time, was the reason of his survival. This also enabled the variety and commercial viability of his musical output. Despite initial blues fanaticism, he was not stubborn and was willing to bend his musical purity to the demands of audience and commercial tastes. When he recorded the album Behind the Sun in Montserrat in 1985, the recording label found it substandard and said this much on his face. His reaction explains much of his personality and his music. He said, Instead of getting arrogant and outraged, I did the shrewd thing and agreed to a new, more middle-of-the-road style that was not, the taste, not to the taste of many of my old blue friends. He knew that he was doing what he was doing and was conflicted about it, but he was clear about the requirements of the survival. I felt like I was selling out, he said in an interview. But Dividend was rich, not only in terms of record sales, but also in expansion of the range. The blues puritan that he is, and he has a body of work to prove it. it but his repertoire includes, apart from blues, hard rock, raggy. If you listen to I Shot the Sheriff, you will get that feeling. Ballads, Tear in the Sky, You Look Wonderful Tonight. All these are memorable ballads and whole lot of middle of the road sell out stuff which led to a guilty conscience and phenomenal record sales. His tribulations with addictions and obsessions have left him a well-rounded personality, a musical tool devoid of ego who could easily play sidemen to much junior artist, a doyen who would not be averse to be known for his covers of others, a superstar figure who will never be afraid to be a fanboy, a purist in some pursuits, who will not consider any music taboo, and above all, a seasoned debauch, who will be comfortable with his domesticated edginess. It is a mark of a real god to relinquish the god status and feel relieved. His musical identity is so rich that some critics, bred on recognizable but singular hooks of titans, found him devoid of identity. A summation of his skills on his 70th birthday explains the process beautifully. All these different guitarists would have their famous five legs and Clapton learned them all. He mastered those early blueprints in perfection.
So he had a dozen licks, then two dozen, and he would link them all up to the pentatonic blues scale in a ways that gave him almost unlimited twists and wiggles, played utterly heroically." Unquote. Here is a musical identity that has not been chiseled by imitation, but formed by ever-growing abundance. It is very easy to be deceived by his subdued style. He has a sedate demeanor and a musical style that aims to dazzle with depth than with antiques. Eric Clapton has played with each and every big names from Hendrix, Page, Beck, Beatles, Frank Zappa, B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Rolling Stones and many collaborations with newer talents. His, he respected raw talents like Hendrix and his bandmate Allman. He himself, however, has been less spectacular but deeper talent. His improvisation doesn't come from a jazz-like on-the-toes inspirations. What he does that he brings that indefinable extra twist of fluidity, that indefinable extra twist of fluidity by amassing excellence, by amassing excellence. It is less showy but much deeper as it comes from the ears of imbibing music rather than from some innate raw spark. This was best explained by Clapton himself when asked to comment on the John Laughlin's lament that uh, he, that is Laughlin, can't play everything that he can think. Clapton said, I am probably the opposite of John. In that, he can probably think of things he wants to play and can't. And I can't think of anything at all. My playing far outreaches my ability to play what I can think. My playing far outreaches my ability to play what I can think. That is why I could never be a jazz musician, because I can't hear it in my head. I play from somewhere else, where it simply goes to my hands." Unquote. He is a player of massive depth. His innovation comes from reiteration and going deeper and farther. The novelty emerges from the piling of existing. His novelty emerges from the piling of the existing. He has succeeded, as one of his more accurate mint assessments say. Mr. Clapton seems to have an open channel between his guitar and his inner feelings that neither age nor imitation can cut off. He might not be aiming to dazzle, but the reservoir of his pure music and collision of myriad influences create startling moments almost routinely. It is easy to be duped and think that his music is all technique and artistry and no soul. He has stayed invested in polishing his craft and art as it has been a means of communication and healing for him. He communicated his sorrow, heartbreak and despair over his crippling addiction through music, Lila, Tear in Heaven are case in point. Talking about his trials, Eric Clapton said, I knew intuitively that if I played it, it would medicate me and calm me. The biggest problem was that I didn't know what to think or feel and I went into a numb zone 
which is the body defending itself because madness beckons in those situations. The only way to keep myself afloat was to play. I had a guitar in my hands all day until I went to sleep. Unquote. His music saves him, props him and propels him. He continues, When I am playing well, what is there to fear? In the moment, there is nothing to fear. Music, when you give it that opportunity, hammers that home. Music, when you give it that opportunity, hammers this point of healing home. With his scholarly looks, he has an abyss of despair that gave his music a terrifying depth and a bracing poise. This led to a natural affinity with the blues. Eric Clapton defines blues as true music of the soul without the intellect. He pioneered the British interest in the Southern American music of black plantation workers. He got initiated into music by the work of Muddy Waters and his ilk. To a loner teenager with a complicated family life, Clapton was uh, uh, an illegitimate, illegitimate son of a teenage mother raised by his grandparents. He grew up thinking his mother to be his sister for a very long time. So, uh, the genre of blues gave a kind of solace to this teenager, a tormented soul that recognized the sadness in the music. The blues is a dialogue of redemption, of suffering and joy, as they say. It will help to quote at length from a Guardianist article on his 70th birthday that talks of his early journey and how accumulation of knowledge, again, remember we talked about the piling of the existing, how accumulation of knowledge, art and influences creates a unique style. Clapton tells the writer, In England, we were bombarded with pop more often than anything else. You had to consciously steer a path towards black soul or blues. Most of the players in the rock framework were coming from a rockability stance. Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck grew up listening to white guitar players like Scooty Moore and Cliff Gallup. I was obsessed with black blues guitar players and for me the ultimate problem was trying to shift that style into a Chuck Berry rock format. Clapton continued, Blues is a language you have to learn, like learning French. It is not about feeling, it's an action. There is a lot to learn and it means going to the library and listening to just about everything that was ever done and trying to learn from that. Again, remember, excellence and novelty coming from piling of the existing, accumulation. He further says, and then something happens. Now he is explaining uh, how music innovation by accumulation happens. And then something happens. If you do your work and do your best to carry the burden of past and fellowship of blues, so you know you have done all your research and you have studied everything you can, I think if you really love the music, you will start to express it in your own way. It is almost impossible not to do. Let me repeat. And then something happens. If you do your work and do your best to carry the burden of the past and the fellowship of the blues, 
so you know you have done all your research and you have studied everything you can i think if you really love the music you will start to express it in your own way it is almost impossible not to do unquote at another place he has written that he finds his stability in blues the music that he first loved and that he continues to regard as kind of beacon there is a matter of factness there is a matter of factness a sense of acceptance about the blues he says eric clapton's 1994 from the cradle is one of the best selling traditional blues recording in the history of music his personality style and mood that have been framed over a long period have served him well in his late years his post mtv unplugged 1992 journey is a saga of relentless creativity in the new millennium he brought out good music in albums like riding with the king me and mr johnson back home the road to escondido the breeze tours and various events like crossroads a festival dedicated to guitar tribute to george harrison and many more have taken place and cemented his place in the pantheon of music today eric clapton is a beacon and servant of music he has adroitly avoided prima donna title prima donna title once you become prima donna you stop growing you become a god on a pedestal by avoiding that uh, being a prima donna or a title of elder statesman of music he has stayed relevant as a student he found relevance lies in a staying student forever rather than being a monument he preferred to be a student rather than to be a monument he is playing with a depth of life which many say wasn't there in 1966 he is active he is learning and he is at peace with himself eric clapton provides a very cogent summation of his musical journey in his autobiography let's end with that my musical identity has taken my entire life to develop now i can sing in a band play backup lead sing a duet there doesn't have to be a label on it anymore the most important thing is that i enjoy listening to music and i still do he continues acceptance is a great state of being acceptance is a great state of being it steps aside of hysteria drama and extreme emotions so again he is recognizing that acceptance that grace of despair that he talked about earlier and when we come to the end of our podcast and in this side stepping of extreme emotions by living them and leaving them clapton has created an enduring excellence of poised and unblinking sensibility to all our great delight thank you very much